and welcome to For the Record, our bi-weekly show in which we take one recently released album and take a deep dive into it. You can listen to us every other Thursday at 9.30 a.m. San Francisco time on BFF.FM, the world's best internet radio station, or subscribe to the podcast at ForTheRecordPodcast.com, which is all one word. This week we're talking about the debut album from a Dublin band called Sprints. The album is titled Letter to Self, and the first song is called Ticking. Maybe I should do it better. Maybe I should try it harder. Maybe I should check the weather. Maybe I should bring a sweater. Maybe I should cut my hair off maybe i should cut my hair off maybe i should cut my hair off maybe i should cut my maybe band from the burgeoning Dublin guitar rock scene and on the podcast we've talked about Pillow Queens who we saw at South by Southwest and they were really charming Fontaine's DC and I I saw for two to all of two songs (laughs) before they blew out the amps yeah (laughs) um so this is another band that's in that tradition and influenced by this scene and they've been getting a lot of attention for their very enthusiastic live show which they are coming to bottom of the hill in March I believe yeah um, so if you want to come see them live, um, but th- this album is just so full of energy and so intense. And so it seemed like one of the new releases that we needed to talk about. For sure. Sometimes the hype is justified and this band has so much amazing energy. And I'm, I love that this first track is called Ticking and you hear this, the drummer just the tap, 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 but it feels so alive. And I love that. Apparently, I guess they worked with this producer, uh, Daniel Fox, not familiar with him or his band Gilliband, but he apparently really encouraged them to do like live songs, like so don't, not playing to a click track. So even though, of course, this very first song is all about this tick, 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 it's all natural and very live sounding. And so that that live energy really suffuses the record. Yes, yeah, so much of their songs are bolstered by this feeling of tension and stress and anxiety, and then they break apart. There's like a moment of catharsis in a lot of these songs, and I think they do. That's not a new trick, but I think they do it really effectively. And the way that this song starts out with the the, I, I think it's just a guitar going through a lot of different processing, but the the background sound that's just going like. Eh, <laughs> and just like keeps ratcheting up like a siren is really effective in starting off the album and putting you into this mood. Yeah, and that I love that we have, I mean, this song is not really traditionally structured. The closest thing we have to a chorus is just this mantra, which is a question of, am I alive? Am I alive? And it's such a great way to start, not with like an aggressive exclamation point, but with this question mark of like, I've, I'm losing 
my stuff, my S, you know, I'm not going to swear, but I'm going to say like, I'm losing it. And I don't even know if I'm alive. Like, what does anything mean? There's just this total sense of disconnection and discombobulation. So the next time we'll play is called Cathedral. Mother, father, I'm sorry to say my disposition lives another day. You're not going to be happy. This is actually the first time I've listened to this song on decent headphones, you know, going through life in an earbud world or maybe these like little streaming speakers that don't have that much bass. And so, holy moly, I just got my butt kicked by that song. And it's just a testament to the wall of sound that these guys are able to bring. And I love reading the kind of biography that they started off pretty folky, where the first three members of the band who were, uh, we've got Carla Chubb on vocals, holy moly. Cole O'Reilly on guitar and then Jack Callan on drums. But yeah, they were not nearly like this. And then finally, the last addition to the band was Sam McCann as bassist. And between the drums and bass, there's such the low end rhythm section on this on this band. So propulsive, so powerful. And I just love this description from Carla Chubb where she's just like, oh, I play the guitar like a bass and Sam plays the bass like a guitar. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you really get that sense of the guitars are very intense and muscular and the bass is very melodic and it oh it's amazing yeah and this this album is mixed really well and so even in that instrumental freak out where it's totally blistering and i'm watching it as we're recording in garage band and so i'm seeing the waveforms and it's all just like a solid white because it's so <laughs> loud but i hear the bass i hear all the instruments and so i like that it's not that it can be really loud and intense without losing any of the texture of the instrumentation. Yeah, that it captures, yeah, it captures that energy and on the onslaught of a live performance, but with so much cleanliness, it's very impressive. And I love that, yeah, apparently they're, you know, an Irish band, but they decided to go to France to record mm. the album. So they went to this little home studio in Loire Valley, beautiful rural France, and just blew the doors off with this music fantastic and with this song i think it seems like if you're an irish band you're required to have at least one song about the influence of the church in your country and honestly i'm dating myself but i was not aware of what a huge influence the catholic church has in ireland until um sinead o'connor ripped up the picture of the pope and like i heard what that was about at the time um and yeah i mean it's the catholic church just has a very terrible um, influence on everything in the country there. So obviously, if you're a queer person, if you're anything out of the ordinary, um, it's still a, a little bit of a tough place to be. Yeah, this just the the bitterness of 
this awareness of like, yeah, my entire life, like authority figures, be it my family or the church have just been kind of telling me, no, you're wrong and how much that sucks and how much that instead of just crumpling under that she's defiant and it's really inspiring <laughs> and, yeah. a through, and a through line on this record yeah, of that I gonna, defiance. I was going to say the arc of the record really tells a story and so while the the first set of songs is a little bit it comes across very like dour and angry but that changes over the course of the record and the next song we're going to play is called Adore 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 well, Do you adore me? Chubb has explicitly said that this is about her experience in the music industry and the misogyny that she has experienced. And if you look at pictures of her, she's very beautiful. She has red hair and you can, but she's not in, in the photos of her performing, you can tell she's not trying to like make herself glam or like really play up her looks. And I'm sure she has gotten a lot of pressure to do that as in the course of becoming a bigger band. Yeah. And, to me, I look at this and yeah, that it really strikes that it's, it's is a universal message though. And I just love that lyric of like, have I disgraced what you built with your very eyes? And that just really sort of making concrete the entire notion of like the male gaze as this f malevolent force, like building her up only to tear her down again. And it's yeah. just, it really hits hard. Yeah. And I, the, as I mentioned, the tone kind of changes over the album and the first part is feeling like a lot of anxiety and feeling very lost. And then I think this middle part is more turning that into anger. And there's a quote from her in one of the interviews that I read where she says, anger doesn't mean bad. Anger means you're standing up for something. Anger means you're addressing an issue. Anger also means collectiveness. And she's talked about how the, the anger and like shout along choruses of the music are a way to like get people feeling like they're part of a collective. Yeah, it is. Yeah, the power of music to you know transform community, transform self, and and just this sound and her when she's able to you know in these verses, it's sort of this you know very kind of quiet and again it's leaning into more of like a seductive, sultry voice and then unleashing the fury, the rage, the the howl in those choruses and it's you know it's fantastic journey. Uh, I feel like the reviews inevitably liken this band to whole, but on this oh. track, I can like, I, there is kind of the similar, yeah, like you could, enough. yeah, you could hear like, oh yeah, young Courtly Love channeled some of the similar energy to similar effect. And this is, but this is part of that proper tradition. And yeah. I think again, first record, but you know, I, 
proud inheritor of that legacy. Yeah, ho- hopefully um, she won't follow in Courtney Love's path <laughs> of getting uh, so much plastic surgery that she looks like an entirely different person. Oh. Anyway, the next song we're going to play is called Can't Get Enough of It. is such a brutal track and the screeching of guitar especially that we hear though in those interludes and i enjoy though that like the name of the song you know can't get enough of it it's like it's and I feel like that should be this the name of a love song mm-hmm. and that in the lyrics, there's this uh, clearly just kind of being trapped in traumatic or an abusive relationship. I mean, it's very vague, but this sort of feeling of like, I'm trapped and I can't leave and it's a living nightmare and I can't get enough of it. And it's just, oh, real gut punch. Yeah, it's one of those songs that like with, through the song itself communicates more than you could in words. And I would compare it to like, you know, heroin by the Velvet Underground, where the way the song is constructed sends the message, and the way that this starts out with kind of like this strumming acoustic guitar, but then it's just this repeated line and this back line of electric guitar that's just kind of like like just kind of back and forth, and it's very circular and it builds and builds, and it really conveys the message of like doing the same thing over and over again and not, you know being very unhappy but also unable to extricate yourself yeah it's a you know i I commented on how i do feel like there's a lot of repetition and these sort of things that feel like mantras in these songs and this is a song where the entire song is just a handful of ideas over and over and over again and it i would say it's beating over the head with it but maybe society needs to be beaten over the head because it is uh it is heartbreaking and yet it's also a total jam that like pretty much every song on this record, I just, I want to see these songs live because yeah. I just, I, I can, it can feel the energy and the catharsis that it can be experienced by an audience sharing this together. It's really amazing. And this is where the album kind of turns into the third part, which is really, I think, like more positive and sort of an answer to am I alive and like what is going to happen to me to like here, here is the answer for myself and I'm figuring it out. And it starts with this song called Literary Mind, which is a love song that's super joyous and just a total banger. 
Obviously, the best song on this album. It's just so powerful, and there's so much catharsis. And when she, you know, and she's winning, it's just like such a great high point of the album. The video for the song is also very cute. Oh, the the video is very very sweet. Yeah, these two young women falling in love, working at a bookstore, and it's a really nice. It's a good use of the convention of like, oh, the main characters are not the band, and then later in the video they go to some kind of looks like a school dance, and then sprints are the band playing there yeah and it's fantastic and my understanding at least since this comes from this is a real love song to a real life partner who is apparently very inspiring and what's interesting to me is that it's one of the few cases where we have really prominent male vocals on the record yeah there's male vocals in other songs but they're more subtle and i i actually like the fact that you don't notice them as much but they just really bolster her voice but yeah here you actually have like male vocal lines singing separately from the main vocal and it's nice because i actually don't know which of the men in the band is on vocals here but he also has a really great voice like it's super smooth and rich and it's a great counterpoint so as much as i agree with you that i like that this carla chubbs record vocally it's nice to hear this mix up and more variety yeah and you know like i said this album has such an arc and you listen to the first song which is very down and like anxious and unhappy to this one which is very up and positive it's i i really like the emotional journey yeah. that it takes you on yeah there's such playful stuff coming out of that chorus mm-hmm. where there's the really super melodic bass solo yeah. for a few seconds and then this really nice kind of super syncopated guitar uh, as the kind of repeated bridge into the call and response section that I found so charming. Just everything about this song is just bouncy Mm -hmm. and alive. And it's sort of crazy that I guess, yeah, this was released, what, a year before the rest of the record. And it's in some ways a high point of the record, but it is very atypical on the record. Mm -hmm. So from here, I think we go into, you know, I think less unambiguous song but still we're we're making that swing towards positivity with a lot of kind of self-doubt too it's called a wreck and then in parentheses a mess
point in the record, uh, sort of accumulated trauma and doubt is leaving our, you know, the leader of this band a little doubting herself and just, am I, am I a wreck? I'm a wreck. I'm a mess. Is everyone a wreck? Is everyone yeah. a mess? And then she's asking that question and then just saying, no, I say yes. I say yes. Like I'm going to keep going and get together. And yeah, I'm a wreck and I'm still, I'm just going to make this work. I'm going to figure it out. And so it's, it's, it's that simultaneously, like I'm in a bad place, but I have faith in myself. And so it's, it's fundamentally a very life affirming and positive song. And what could be more life affirming than a cool guitar solo? <laughs> I assume that's the uh, lead vocalist, Calm O'Reilly out there, but it sounds great, but I also appreciate the restraint of not putting did, a whole lot of solos on this. lead vocalist? Yeah. When I meant lead guitarist, <laughs> well, his guitar is talking here. Yeah. Yeah, the lead uh, lead guitarist, and yeah, that I he they he could get away with soloing more, but I think they use a lot of restraint and just deploy that in a couple of places. Yeah, this song has just such an upbeat feel, and it's you know it has a collectiveness to it. Like you know, you hear all of the instrumentation, and it's sort of this feeling that like you know we're all here together, being a mess, and like that's fine. And I you know this. The bass is so bouncy and it reminds me of something like in the 90s and I can't really remember like maybe just those like later stage punk bands that always had like a really melodic bass that was like doo -doo -doo -doo, like very fun. Yeah. yeah, well, this band is clearly, I mean, very anchored sonically in the 90s, but I think we had the real or we were you know talking about this before recording and how, oh, yeah, we're getting to be the point where we're about as far from the 90s as the 90s were from the 60s which is, so crazy. which is pretty crazy and so it's sort of like yeah i'm sure they're pulling from that but there are plenty of places on this record where which feel older like pulling 60s and 70s and 80s sounds and it's not yeah it's not aping any one era it's just yeah mining all of this past to create a triumphant statement and yeah, and I and again that the song is I'm a wreck, I'm a mess, and then it goes into that bridge where it's like, is everyone a wreck? Is everyone stressed? And hilariously, could I even pass my own damn Bechtel test? That was very good. And I say yes, like yeah, yeah everyone's stressed, every, everyone's a wreck, but we're, we're let's let's do it. We're all in this together. So the next song is the penultimate track, and it's called Up and Comer.
had to leave just some of that blistering guitar solo because it was so great. And as you mentioned, there aren't that many guitar solos on this record, but when they, they're they there, they really shine. Yeah, well, I love that a band that is so mostly fits into kind of a post-punk uh, kind of box that are like, no, we're going to do the 80s hair metal guitar solo here. We, we, we talked about this last time. Like, we can't just call everything post-punk. I mean, technically call that, it is mean, all, and but, everything yeah. that came after the yeah. late 70s. Is understood, personal. understood. But I feel like in terms of what that label is attached to yeah. usually sounds a certain way, and it is not, you know, yeah, the blistering hair, hair. Thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, this music is very visceral. It's it's really joyful in places, but it really makes you feel what is intended to be expressed. Like, it's, it, they really do a great job of combining the lyrics and the delivery and the musicality and the instrumentation to really like give you a feeling which yeah. is i think what great music does yeah and it's here it's such a great sentiment again for a band releasing the first record and that being like we're sick of saying you know that like i'm good for an up-and-comer and i thought it was really funny for me to be the, the immediate touch point at this was what that olivia rodrigo song teenage Rio like yeah it's like oh good for her age and i want yeah. to just be good and this is such a similar sentiment of like they say i'm good for an up-and-comer like screw that i'm just awesome <laughs> yeah and it's yeah, power to both of them. Yeah, this band started in 2019, which is a little bit unfortunate for a band that apparently has such a great live performance. And so, you know, you can feel like they have, you feel like they have some kind of pent up energy that they're really ready to unleash upon the world. Well, yeah, that energy just in that, that sort of bridge section of here we go, the devil's knocking at my door, which is just this like feeling of you know, it should be terrible. And then the guitar is doing these insane harmonics that are scary. And yet it's not scary. It's a feeling of like devil's out there knocking my door. I'm going to go kick his ass. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I here we, here we are at approaching the end of the record. This is the penultimate song. And I love that we go from starting the record where it was asking that question. Am I, am alive? I alive? Am I alive? And in the last track, which is the title track, which we will play last, they answer that question and it's a resounding yes i am alive and it's such a great arc question asked and question answered resoundingly yeah and if you put this in the universe of punk which is where i would put it it's so much of punk rock is you know kind of ironic detachment and like feeling like you're too cool for school and this song is just this album is so wholehearted and very earnest and that's one of the things i love about it so as you mentioned, the last track is called Letter, Letter to Self. It's the title track. We've been discussing the Dublin band Sprints, and this is their debut album. We'll go out with that song. And you've been listening to For the Record. Thanks so much for listening.
is a proud member of the BFF.FM podcast network. Learn more at podcast.bff.fm. BFF.FM, best frequencies forever.